name's Bernadette. In 2014, I took out $72,000 in student loans to pay for grad school. At the time, I didn't really know what I was getting myself into until I realized that I alone was responsible for paying it all off. 22 months later, I made my final payment. This is my story. Welcome to the Bernadette Joy Podcast. Crush this debt. Episode 5, The First 100 Days. Hey guys, it's Bernadette and AJ also. We just talked about all of the great mess that was finding out our student loan situation. And the good thing was, from what you heard, that AJ was totally on board and that was awesome. But the hard part was actually trying to figure out what we were gonna do next. And seriously, I had no clue what that would mean. So I did what everyone else does. I went on Google and started searching personal finance. And I found a lot of great stuff. It was actually kind of overwhelming. I found podcasts, I found blogs, I found books and radio stations that were talking about it. So I just waded my way through. I found a lot of um, interesting people. It was personalities that were ranging anywhere from young to old, to women, to men, and everything in between. And what I found was that there was a lot of great personalities out there, but there was one that really stuck out with me, and it was Dave Ramsey. So some of you may know who Dave Ramsey is. A lot of people who know me now know that I'm a huge follower, but I wasn't back then. And it took me a while to even get on board with him. But what really stuck out to me was his approach. I think he talks a lot about things that are related to personal finance, but also just life in general. And I love that he has the heart of a teacher. I think he teaches a lot of people about things that a lot of other people won't talk about. And I'm sure AJ loved him too. Uh, it was that motherfucker Dave Ramsey. He caused all of this mess I was feeling. Every day, I'd come home from work or in bed before I fell asleep, I'd hear his voice. Many of those times, I would listen to the advice he gives people. And yes, there's many people out there that have no financial sense. But to me, he was condescending and basically berating some of these people. But Bernadette took in the core of his message and the step-by-step way to rid of debt. So when AJ said that he was listening and hearing Dave Ramsey's voice every day, he's not kidding. I would literally sit up at night until 3 a.m. in the morning with Dave Ramsey with no headphones on. So this poor guy next to me was probably getting a lot of information that he didn't volunteer to get through osmosis. And I really loved his messaging. AJ thought that he was a little bit condescending and berating. And to be honest, a lot of times he was. But that's what I loved about Dave Ramsey. He was real. He was to the point. He didn't sugarcoat things. And that's kind of how I feel I am with other people and when I give advice. So I really liked his style and it really sat with me. What I really loved most was his philosophy around his baby steps. For those of you who don't know Dave Ramsey, he is all about the baby steps. And for me, what I really liked about it was that it was a very clear plan on what I should do next. I had so many other articles and a lot of other blogs that were talking about all these different things that you could do, but nothing really gave me an example of how I should do those things and in what order. So I like the baby steps because it really helped me to think about, okay, I do first thing, then I do the second thing, and I keep rolling on. And I think a lot of people can relate to wanting to have a plan like that where it tells you what things should happen first. Because when you're overwhelmed with over 70,000 of student loans, you don't know where to start. So it's nice to have a starting point. So essentially the baby steps 
are his plan on how you should go about paying off debt and living the life you want. And we won't go through all of them right now, but the first four steps and the steps that we had the biggest challenge with are the ones that everyone starts off with. So the first thing he says is to start off with an emergency fund, and it should be $1,000. Some people, $1,000 is not a lot at all. For some people who live paycheck to paycheck, that's a lot to have to save up at one time. Luckily for us, we had a lot more than $1,000, and that was nice for us because it felt like, wow, I just crossed off that first step. We are already done with step one. That's amazing. The next step that he had was to pay off all of your debt and pay it off in great, great intensity. And what I like about that is that he talks about paying the debts smallest to largest. Now, there's a lot of debate on whether or not you should pay smallest to largest or interest rates or whatever it may be. But I liked his thought about this because it helped me to think about how can I attack this and how can I do this in a way that's going to keep me motivated? And so by starting from smallest debt to largest debt, it felt like I was knocking things off of my checklist little by little. The third step that he talks about is once you have paid off all your debt, then you start to save up for an emergency fund, a full emergency fund, and that should be three to six months of expenses. And we'll get into a little bit of that later, but that was something that was hard for us to get our arms around because we did have that, but we were grappling whether or not we should keep the savings or go down with debt. And then the last step is to start planning for investing. And again, that's something that we had to have a lot of conversation about. AJ and I had a lot of debate as to whether or not we should invest or save or pay for debt. In my perspective is, I think I liked it because the one thing that I did like about it was that it was a plan. Something that, you know, I could not give directly and it was from a personality that she seemed to trust. So if it was a plan that we can start with, then I think it was a great way to begin. The first thing that we had to battle about was our $20,000 in savings. So when I mentioned that Dave Ramsey said that we need to start off with $1,000 savings, I was excited because we had more than $1,000, but we had $20,000 and whether or not we should actually use that to pay off the debt or keep it in our savings was a big debate. When she explained that we needed to drain our $20,000 savings to the minimum $1,000, I was shocked, but also not surprised at the same time. His guidance did make sense, though, to pay off as much of the principal as soon as possible on our loans to prevent interest from piling on. But then, I've never been so far down in liquid cash since I was in college. I hate assholes, so why would I even begin to listen to one? Are you sure this is right? What if this or what if that? I had so many questions. But I committed to her, so no backing out now. AJ had a lot of questions, but frankly, so did I. But I didn't care. I just wanted to get started and start paying off the debt as soon as possible. I was scared too, though. We had $20,000 and I had been saving that and he had been saving that for a long time. And I don't know about you guys, but we were taught when we were growing up to save as much money as possible. Although thinking back now, I don't remember why we were saving that money. We also just had that money for a rainy day. And my parents had always said, you need to have money in your rainy day fund, but the rainy days didn't always come so often. So what were we saving that money for? I realized I'd rather have that money going to work for us and paying off that loan rather than just sitting there not knowing what I wanted to do with it. But instead of paying off the whole $20,000 all at once, 
I was a little bit scared. So every day I would go in, look at my bank account and pay off a thousand dollars and then wait and see if something happened. Every day I would think, oh my gosh, today's going to be the day that I break my arm or that I slip and fall and I'm going to have to go to the hospital and have this huge hospital bill and we have just used all of our money. But that day never came. And every day I paid another $1,000 and then another $1,000. And then I started getting more courage and started paying off $2,000. Finally, I said, okay, you know what? Nothing bad is happening. I'm just going to go for it. And that last $5,000 brought us down to the $1,000 emergency fund. In the back of my mind, I kept thinking, this is only temporary. The faster we can get out of the debt, the faster we're able to rebuild. However, I made sure to keep reiterating, we can't go on this trip or that party and risk medical expenses or major car repairs with an emergency fund that low. I tried to make sure she was serious. There can be some consequences. We had to put all the faith in ourselves to be extremely careful and not do anything stupid to risk any large unnecessary expense. So just in a few short weeks, we went down from 72000 to just around $50,000. That was pretty sweet, wasn't it? That's right. <laughs> I was so excited about all of the progress that we were having that I was really gung-ho about getting even faster on the debt. But the hard thing is when you start draining all your savings and all of those easy payments were made, it starts getting a lot tougher. And that's when we had to think of other ways to be more creative with all of our spending. The first thing that we decided to do was to give away the poor bumblebee. AJ, who's the bumblebee? I know, that smart car. I truly missed it. (laughs) Albeit, though, it was at the end of the lease, and we thought about, you know, whether we're going to get a new car or, you know, buy that smart car, but essentially, you know, we didn't really need it. And luckily, my car that we owned, it was already paid off. So it was a used car when we moved to Charlotte as well. Uh, It was still reliable, a nice little Kia So I think that actually uh, helped out, too, that we didn't have any payments on my car as well. Yes, but the downside on us having only his car is that AJ drives stick, and I do not Mm. know how to drive stick. And I hate to be that stereotype of that Asian girl that doesn't know how to drive, but sorry, I am that person. So that made it even more imperative for him to have to drive me everywhere. It's a lost art. (laughs) I keep telling her to start to learn. It's not happening. With AJ driving me around town, we did have a budget for me to use Uber and Lyft, which was about a hundred bucks a month. But the amount of money that we saved between not having to pay insurance, not having to pay for parking, and all of those other maintenance things went a long way. But it still wasn't enough. So then we went on the rice and beans diet. I love rice and beans, actually. He... (laughs) He actually really loves rice and beans, which is great for him. Not so great for me, especially when he gets a little gassy, I'm going to say, which is that okay for me to say? Mm. No. (laughs) Well, it's too late. But um, Dave Ramsey has this motto to live on rice and beans and beans and rice. And why he says that is because rice and beans are really, really cheap. Have you ever actually tried to buy rice and beans? You could live on a whole week worth of food for less than 10 bucks. And that's something that AJ really enjoys is being able to live on the cheap. Actually, you know, rice and beans, it's a good thing, but really it's about the cost per meal. I've always had that mindset going through college and after work. uh, I've always enjoyed trying to find good deals at the grocery store and really minimizing that cost per meal 
uh, metric, I guess, for spending on on food. And later I found out that Dave Ramsey actually didn't mean that you have to eat just rice and beans. I took it way too literally. So after a while, we started finding other creative ways to cook. And so AJ started getting really good at cooking meals on the fly. One of my favorite meals that he does are these salmon patties with oatmeal. Um, I've always been good at cooking. So. Okay, well, fine. That's fair. You're always good at cooking, but we probably didn't find out how good you were until we realized that was the only option that we had. That is that fair? Yeah, you can say that. <laughs> One of the things that we liked about being able to have those is that we could just do it on our own time and we could spend time together. But the other thing that came out of not having a lot of money to spend was that HGTV obsession. So you may remember that I had conned some of my friends and my husband to go on this Property Brothers cruise and my thought of being an HGTV addict was to be able to buy all these great new things and do these crazy renovations. But what was really great about being on a budget it was that we got really creative and started doing a lot of things DIY. Now that I think back, I think we had a paint project every single weekend from a dresser to our coffee table in our living room right now. Don't you remember the front door that we had to paint? We painted both our front doors barn red because I saw it on an HGTV episode and we were really excited because we got that paint really cheap. That's got me excited. <laughs> we had started getting really good at saving money in those first 100 days. We weren't driving two cars, we were eating really cheaply, and we were doing DIY projects every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. But even with all of those things, we still wanted to make bigger progress. So if you've started saving so much money, what else can you do? Well, you can start making money. And of course, my HGTV obsession told me, hey, I have so much stuff in my house and since I want to redo all these things, I might as well have a giant yard sale. Now, thinking back, it was a little bit flawed because when I thought of this idea, it was Saturday night and I decided to have a yard sale on Sunday morning. With no advertising or anything, I literally just asked AJ to drag all our shit into our yard and hope that people would pass by. And it didn't go as I planned. I had Two people who passed by on bikes, and they spent a total of $8. So when she told me we need to do a yard sale like tomorrow, that was actually more of a relief. I had some old home audio speakers, some DVDs, unused kitchen gifts, and furniture that I could let go, and was an adjustment since we've done some community yard sales in the past. And I knew we could at least get lunch paid without spending money. And we did. That whole $8 bought us burritos that day. But I learned my lesson, and next time we had a yard sale a couple months later, I actually planned ahead, I posted on things like Nextdoor and Craigslist, and on Facebook to let people know that we were having a yard sale. I even encouraged some of my girlfriends to drop off some of their stuff for a yard sale, and within the first hour, we had eight cars of five people each come to our yard sale, and by the end of the day at noon, we had made 500 bucks. That was pretty sweet. So we were having a grand old time between eating beans and rice and selling off all our shit and doing all these DIY projects. Mind you, what I didn't mention was that I also had just finished the MBA program and I had gone into my business dressed as a side hustle. I started collecting clothes and advertising little by little in our local community about our new business. What was really awesome, but also really surprising, was that we got picked up by a local TV station and a local newspaper to write about our new business. And what I didn't expect was the flood of new people who were interested in actually trying out the clothes that I had. When we first started this, I had really planned to just ramp it up really slowly and then launch the business in the new year. 
but that didn't happen. And that created a lot of new things that AJ and I had to do. One of the things we had to do was build a new studio. And that was a pretty fun project, don't you think, AJ? It was actually pretty exciting. I think with some of the DIY stuff, we had some friends help out a little bit. Uh, I was taking some pictures for some inventory. It was different for me. It was aside from my corporate job that I could actually use some creativity and help map out the processes for your business. Uh, It was actually fun. So we were doing all these great things and the business was starting to boom. But what was really frustrating was that a lot of people, and actually most people we knew, didn't know all of this was happening. While it may seem that I'm really transparent about it now, it was really scary to tell people that we were doubling down on all of our money, paying off all of these loans and kind of hiding out for a little bit. We would have friends who would ask us to go hang out and we'd have to politely decline. And we worried whether or not people would keep inviting us if we kept saying no. What I think was really most challenging was this was the year that I had two of my best friends getting married. Both of them I was a bridesmaid in. The first one being in Cancun, Mexico, which if you think about all of the costs that go into airfare and hotel and just being a bridesmaid, that was an overwhelming thing. And the bad part was that none of my friends really knew that we were doing this. So I had a lot of anxiety going into this wedding in a couple of weeks and figuring out, should I even tell people if they want to do all these expensive things? How do we decline when we're stuck at a resort with them? I know. I was remembering saying, you know, we can't get too drunk. We don't got no money to pay for any hospital bills. (laughs) Yeah. It always goes back to those hospital bills. AJ was worried that I would fall off a cliff or um, fall off a dance floor and one of the clubs and that we'd have to go to some sketchy Mexican place and then have to pay all these bills and we didn't have the money to do it. So we had to be really careful about those expenses. But one of the things that I started to think about was, should I start telling people and how should we start telling people? AJ's a really private person, if you can't tell, and I'm pretty transparent. And I wanted to tell people, but I wasn't sure how AJ felt. We had all these amazing things happening and things were really exciting. But what was frustrating was that nobody knew what we were doing. I kind of felt like we were living in secret. Our friends and family didn't know that we were living on beans and rice and that we were having these crazy yard sales. And a lot of my friends didn't even know that we were starting this new business. But the year was also exciting because we had a lot of great things happening personally. Two of the most important things being that two of my best friends from growing up were getting married that same year. These were girls that were my bridesmaids at our own wedding. And so I had to be there. The first wedding, though, was in Mexico, and that was really exciting, but also really scary. It was scary. I mean, we couldn't get too drunk, because then getting on that dance floor and tearing an ACL, we can't afford those hospital bills. I think AJ sometimes thinks that he's an actual Clemson football player and that he's going to tear an ACL. Luckily, that hasn't happened yet. And luckily, on that trip, we didn't tear any ACLs, but we did worry a lot about spending a lot of money and making sure that we were still having fun and being good bridal party members, but not being a Debbie Downer at the same time and not draining our budget. It was really rough. What we didn't realize also was that this trip was going to be the catalyst for our first real big fight about finances. Stay tuned for episode number six, the big fight over plastic. We don't use credit cards anymore. And here we'll talk about how this almost led to the end of our debt-free journey. The Bernadette Joy podcast, Crush This Debt, 
is written, executive produced, and hosted by me, Bernadette, and co-hosted by my husband, AJ. The show is produced by Andy Goh, and our music is by Harvey Cummings. Our show artwork is done by Abigail Joy. Check us out at BernadetteJoy.com slash podcast. We want to hear from you. We know that people have lots of experiences with debt and few people talk about it. Help us break that taboo. Call us at 980-999-1283 and leave us a message with your debt story or what our story meant to you. We'll play those messages in a future episode and hopefully we'll make talking about money a little less difficult. Again, that's 980-999-1283. And don't forget to leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It helps our show get discovered by others who may be striving to pay off their own debt. We hope that our story will inspire others to never quit.